0: This is Bold Dominion, a state politics explainer for changing Virginia. I'm Nathan Moore. In my job at the radio station, I get a lot of press releases and marketing emails. There's this one company that sends me city and state rankings in really some of the oddest categories. Best and worst cities for brunch lovers. Best and worst for naked gardening. Best places for getting stoned. I mean, you put those three together, that's a hell of a weekend. But there are some other lists that are a little more serious. Three years ago, back in 2019, Virginia ranked at the high and low extremes of two very different lists. CNBC named Virginia the best state for business. Meanwhile, the anti-poverty nonprofit Oxfam ranked Virginia as the worst state for workers. Talk about an inverse relationship. Since then, Virginia elected Democratic majorities to the General Assembly in 2020. Their new policies have catapulted Virginia to the middle of the pack for workers. And despite that, Virginia has remained number one last year in CNBC's rankings for business. Well, both CNBC and Oxfam are going to release their 2022 rankings next month. Here at Bold Dominion, we started wondering, what does this ranking of best state for business actually mean for working people, like really mean? And could the Commonwealth ever be very good for both business and workers? This week, I'm talking with Richmond-based journalist Peter Galaska. He's been covering business and economic news for more than four decades, mostly here in Virginia.
1: Virginia's come out on top the last couple of years, um, they've been doing them. They, it's actually the workforce. I mean, 39% of Virginians have bachelor's degrees and they're the third highest state for, um, you know, science, technology and, you know, STEM stuff. And their cost of doing business is good. The very fact that you have an educated workforce is one reason why, um, for example, Amazon located at second headquarters in Northern Virginia. And recently you've had um, Raytheon, a big Massachusetts defense company doing likewise, I mean, relocating in, in Northern in Virginia, according to Steve Murray the former head of the um, Virginia Economic Development Partnership. It wasn't so much the usual incentives like goodies and money and tax breaks. It was the fact that Amazon was in, was interested because Virginia was going to put in with Virginia Tech, a special school in that area to prepare like a, a whole, you know, generation of tech savvy workers.
0: With the study like this, how much does it actually mean? Uh, I mean, obviously it's a feather in the cap, you know, we get some nice national press for a while, but is there actual juice behind it or is there actual, um, was it Kind of a, a, a fluffy thing CNBC does.
1: Well, I think it is. I think it's interesting. I mean, the CNBC um, pronouncement went against la- in last year's gubernatorial race, for example. The young gun, young people, Republicans, poo pooed it and said, Oh, no, Virginia's losing business. That's not as good as like North Carolina, South Carolina, or Georgia. And that was kind of a bone of contention. In fact, North Carolina actually came in second behind Virginia in the recent CNBC study. And so it's a big argument in, in that part of the world. Um, where um, you know Yunkin wanted to make it make it sort of cast Virginia as behind when it kind of isn't.
0: I want to go through some of CNBC's biggest criteria in their methodology, and, and I want to start with the most heavily weighted one, which is the cost of doing business. Uh, mm-hmm. What that really is in CNBC's methodology is is a measure of tax incentives and tax burdens for businesses, right. and, and Virginia has very low business taxes. What does right. that, that actually look like in the state?
1: Well, it means that you're not going to come in to do, I mean, you hear people, for example, complain if they move to California, California is going to really squish them on all kinds of taxes and bills and funds, et cetera etc. And the same is true in states in the Northeast, like, you know, New York and and Massachusetts, whereas you go to a place like Texas, it's like anything goes. And Virginia is sort of that way, in a way, because it's very pro-business and always has been. And so, you know, in many ways, too, Virginia, you know, does not have, I mean, housing, except for Northern Virginia, still relatively cheap. And believe it or not, executives have told me that Dominion's power is sort of in the middle, which is an advantage for them to want to move here. Whereas, I mean, you go to other states, especially on either coast, I mean, you're going to be paying a lot more for power.
0: So with the the low business taxes, I want to take a look at what that actually means for for working people. I mean, where, where does state operating revenue come from instead?
1: Well, it comes from, you know, income taxes, which um, it comes from, uh, you know, machine and tool taxes, depending on what kind of industry it is, and a number of other taxes that come into play. Of
0: course, our car taxes, which not every state has.
1: Yeah, no, it's kind of. But, you know, I mean, to be frank, to be frank, I mean, I worked in Ohio. Um, for a company for four years. And I was taxed every at the wazoo. I mean, I was taxed. I had to pay federal income tax, Ohio state income tax, and my home was in a locality. I had to pay income tax there. Plus my office was it was in yet another locality and I had to pay income taxes there. So I was being hit for like, you know, four income taxes a year. And of course, if you go to large city, large states and urban, more urban states, such as, you know, New Jersey and New, New York, for example, I mean, you buy a home there, you're going to be paying you know five figures at least in property taxes. If I were living in New Jersey I'd be paying 25 to 30,000 a year in property taxes whereas in Chesterfield County I would pay what 3,000.
0: With I want to talk more about business taxes though. You know, you, you've, you've described some places where there's a very high tax burden for individuals and a higher tax burden for, for businesses. Mm-hmm. I mean, are these states just running higher budgets and doing more public services? What's what's not happening in Virginia because of the low business well, tax?
1: Well, I think what's, what's what's not happening in Virginia is obviously the services are not as good. I mean, the roads are not really all that great. And as far as things such as supporting health, supporting education, there needs to be more done in Virginia. And I mean, you know, you, 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 know, you can't, you know, Peter and Paul thing. You know, uh, squeeze Peter to pay Paul. That's exactly what seems to be the case here. And there's still kind of a leftover Virginia kind of ideal thats is, is, I don't particularly like it. I, mean, I wish it would go away, but it's still here. And that's like, you know, we're the bosses and we tell you what to do. And we want to make sure that these other, you know, it's the same old Southern stuff going back a hundred years where we want to steal your textile industries by, you know, making things really good for you and not so good for our workers.
0: Well, I want to talk more about the workers, but first I want to get to the next criterion in the CNBC study, which is infrastructure. What, what does infrastructure include?
1: Infrastructure would mean roads, water, sewer, and of course, broadband. And that's a major, major um, important thing right now. One advantage in infrastructure, believe it or not, is international fiber underwater cable. <laughs> and it just means that there are a number of projects coming from uh, South America, from South Africa, and also from Europe where you're putting in really high-speed broadband underwater cable for thousands and thousands of miles underwater. And a number of them are popping up in the United States in Virginia Beach. And also Northern Virginia also has for years had the biggest traffic load in the internet of any state in the country. So, I mean, that's expanding. And that's one reason why data centers are so popular here because there's, you know, it's right there, just plug in.
0: Yeah, Peter, I'm reminded of uh, um, uh, some other conversations you and I have had over the years about these kind of like two Virginias. You you just mentioned uh, Northern Virginia and Hampton Roads. If you throw in Richmond and, and some of the college cities, uh, you know, these are very highly developed infrastructure mm-hmm. places, right. um, both roads and, you know, broadband and all the rest uh, and, and good water systems and all. And yet, if you go out to Southwest Virginia, Southside Virginia, some other pockets and regions, it's a, it's a whole different story. Uh, and the infrastructure is, is is, you know, not even the same tier. Take me through kind of that dynamic in the state.
1: Well, to be sure, there's some improvements. I think Danville is becoming is is getting more data center type, um, you know, investment. As is Southwest and parts of it. The problem with that south side and Southwest Virginia is like the old economy, and by old economy, I mean furniture, tobacco, textiles, and coal. And all of them kind of have gone away. I mean, textiles have moved overseas. Tobacco's really diminished. Furniture has gone to China and coal is just dying. And back then you, you had heavily, you know, heavily manufacturing jobs that didn't really require that much education. And you had this kind of like um, oppressive anti-union atmosphere that um, really hurt things. I mean, for example, look at Hampton Roads. I mean, uh, Newport News Shipbuilding, which is probably the, one of the largest shipyards in the, in the world, has been union for a long time. But you wouldn't see that much at an old textile plant in Martinsville.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the difference, of course, is you can't move the port. Just like geographically, there's only a handful of places where that port can exist. And so that gives workers Mm -hmm. more power because the company can't just move.
1: Exactly. And I mean, there's a great book I read in college. I took a course on the South. was The Mind of the South by Wilbur Cash, which is written, I think, in the late 30s, early 40s. And he really made some wonderful points that, you know, the southern managers back in the day had this attitude with whites like lower class working class whites like you know we'll make you a deal we'll give you an okay job and we'll make sure that the blacks are beneath you and you can always look down on them and that was true that was kind of the whole mentality and it was like divide and conquer i mean it's like going back to norma ray remember the movie mm-hmm. back in the 70s
0: so it's essentially like uh, uh, uh... Fighting any sort of class solidarity that might emerge through essentially racial uh, separation.
1: Exactly. And it was a wedge and they drove the wedge as much as they could. And another issue with Virginia was don't forget that Virginia for many, many years was really an agrarian state. And that mean like the master and the the worker slave, you know, the, the shareholder, the former slave, the slave. And that only really started to change except for some manufacturing pockets until after World War II. And that's when you really saw a lot of um, real industry coming here and, and, and a big growth in defense.
0: I want to talk about that uh, the CNBC methodology, and, and this is one that you and I've already hinted at some in this interview. But the category called workforce, mm-hmm. and so this is this is sort of an all-encompassing category that looks at the, both the legal regime and also the kind of characteristics of the, the available workers. Virginia, in CNBC's mind, scores very high because we have a high percentage of both educated mm-hmm. workers and very low union membership with right-to-work right. laws that make it harder to become. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, to organize unions. Uh, take me through what this actually ends up, how, how this actually ends up playing out.
1: Well, I think the thing is, is that you have um, a number of really uh, highly rated public universities in Virginia, you know, such as UVA, Tech, William & Mary, and some others. And of course, they've all improved in the last several decades very much. And they're like world-class. I mean, they're not just going to turn out, um, you know, white guys who are going to take over their dad's business. And now people who are actually doing really innovative things with, uh, I know recently, or I think just, just past Last week or two, there was news that UVA was regarded by some folks as uh, the top software writing school in the, in the country. Um, so that's what you mean. I mean, you have a really, really strong higher level college level educational system here. But Virginia really is known for that. And it produces like a steady stream of well-educated and scientifically minded workers. And I mean, uh, the people in the red um, rural areas are pretty much left out of this unless they go to UVA or someplace like that. So I think that's what it means because they don't have to be, you know, reaching
0: trained that much. It's like the uh, the universities in Virginia are um, both a... Uh, I was talking with Jeff Thomas about this, uh, who who wrote about the Virginia Way and kind of how, how money has just become the the Virginia Way nowadays. It's the new Virginia Way, where it was sort of like old Virginia families. But he talked about schools like UVA and William & Mary, how they're, they're kind of like two universities... Layered on top of one another. One is a a training ground for the elite to remain elite, you know, so these are the Mm -hmm. the people who come from wealth and are going to go off and work at Goldman Sachs or something. But it's also a place for kind of the the, the middle and, and, and working class Virginians with strong academics to kind of like like climb the meritocratic ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it sort of makes these universities, like they end up functioning as kind of a, um, a way for Virginia's elite to pick out uh, uh, young people from middle and lower classes and, and bring them up into the upper middle and upper classes.
1: I agree with that. And I mean, I think the one thing that brings us an interesting point, and I think it's also a really point of contention right now, because at some of these schools, you have older white alumni who want to bring it back to the old days where they, they want training to take over their daddy's law firm or bank or whatever, and they really don't want the states to really improve their research in other areas. That's one of the reasons, as far as I can tell, why you had the Therese Sullivan issues. You know, she was a president of UVA, and they wanted to get rid of her. And she was temporarily gotten rid of, but they brought her back because she was very popular. And that's the heart of that was exactly what you just described.
0: Peter Galaska is a journalist based in the Richmond area. He's covered Virginia's economy for more than four decades. We'll hear more from him after a short break. You're listening to Bold Dominion, a state politics explainer for a changing Virginia. Visit us online at bolddominion.org. Hey, and I want to tell you, we're looking for good ideas to cover in future episodes of this show. If you've ever had a question about state politics, you know, something that just didn't make sense and you want somebody to explain it to you, well, let us know. Maybe we can help. Shoot us an email at bolddominion at virginia.edu. You can always find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts are served up. Go ahead and subscribe. Bold Dominion is a member of Virginia Audio Collective, online at virginiaaudio.org. You can check out all the podcasts from the collective, from science to history to music to community affairs. We amplify the voices of people in our community and help them tell stories that matter. Listen and subscribe at virginiaaudio.org. Well, in the second half of today's show, we continue our conversation with journalist Peter Golaska, diving into more of the criteria that make Virginia best for business and exploring what that means for workers. Also on workforce, uh, in this uh, CNBC rankings is um, right to work laws and union membership. So, <laughs> so <laughs> Virginia does have right to work laws. Which, well, take <laughs> me through what what were right to work laws? What are they? <laughs> uh, how'd they come <laughs> to be? What do they do for unions?
1: Okay, well, basically, right to work came about in 1947 with uh, federal law. It was a Taft Hartley law, a labor law, a big one,
0: and it allowed
1: this to happen. If states could choose, if they don't don't want to be, uh, uh, they want to have a so called right to work, which means you don't have to join a union and you don't have to pay union dues whereas in other, other states you do. There are 27 states that have right to work laws, including Virginia. And the idea is on the one side, they're saying, well, why should I have to join a, a union, which is mandatory in some some you know, like large Midwestern or, or Northeastern states? Most of the right to work states are in the South and the middle of the Midwest.
0: The, the idea with the union membership typically is if your shop, if your workplace votes to go union, then that union will represent all the workers and all the workers pay dues. But with the right. right to work, you simply don't have to pay dues. Unless you feel like it joining. Well,
1: the unions complain that they do a lot of work in getting, you know, better pay, better benefits, better working conditions for everyone. And yet some people don't pay for that. They pay, you know, and that's that's where they say it's unfair. And, of course, the overriding reason for its existence is a power play. As, as usual, divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. By having right to work, you keep unions weak. What's interesting now is a whole issue over public employees and unions. General Assembly passed a law that kind of keeps state employees out of the unions, but it allows localities. To approve, you know, public unions if they want, but it can, even that is sort of a half step because it doesn't give the unions full power.
0: So with with low union membership in Virginia, with it being harder to form unions in Virginia, that has uh, presumably kept wages and working conditions more in the boss's favor.
1: Yes, it is. But then on the other hand, if you're bringing in a tech firm or even a financial services firm, you've got to keep up with um, the Joneses. You know what I'm saying? You can't just offer somebody a lot lower salary because it's Virginia. You know, it's, it's just not going to work if you're importing people, that
0: is. One thing I wanted to, and that actually is kind of an interesting um, look at, a category CNBC calls life, health, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a more generic uh, category CNBC had called quality of life, but now they call it life, health, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, what's going on with this uh, with this category?
1: Well, what it means is sort of a more modern way of saying um, that you would have the state offers... Um, you know, good amenities in terms of things to do on vacation. It means that um, your traffic may be less. And as far as health, you've got good, uh, accessible, uh, not too expensive health systems. And inclusion means everything. It means from, you know, minorities and people of color having more advantages and also uh, gay people having, you know, rights. And big companies now really mark highly for that. You know, it means that some states like Florida and Texas are going to lose because they're in some ways anti-gay and anti minorities And so Virginia has Recently, the General Assembly has um, done a lot for inclusion, like, you know, gay marriage and things like that, although the current Republicans want to push that back.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting. CNBC kind of altered the criteria a little bit. Right around the same time, Democrats had majorities in the state House of Delegates and state Senate, and happened to pass laws that that match the new uh, the new criteria.
1: How about that? <laughs> no, but I mean that's sort of their seeing that you know you got to look towards the future and what everybody wants, and you just can't say, well, this is the Virginia way, and that's the way we've always done it, and if you don't like it, stay home. I mean, you can't you can't have that attitude anymore.
0: Well, there is some of that attitude with the uh, 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 Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin and the new Republican majority in the House of Delegates. They're kind of DM. De- emphasizing some of the things we just talked about uh, in terms exactly. of uh, LGBT civil rights and and um, uh, other inclusivity measures. What I mean, we have another CNBC poll coming out in, in, a, in a month. It might be too soon, and there aren't enough substantial changes for that to be an issue maybe yet, but what does that bode for the future?
1: Um, it's, it depends on what actually is, is, is put into policy or law. I mean, if you have clear-cut uh, anti-inclusion legislation, that's going to come up badly. But I'll tell you one thing. I mean, Youngkin's only been in power for six months. This coming up survey will only cover last year when he wasn't in power at all. Mm. And I'll d- guarantee you one thing, if Virginia comes out number one again, you're going to hear it trumpeted from the governor's office.
0: <laughs> Even though it was uh, <laughs> during the previous administration.
1: <laughs> you know, It's kind of ironic given that Youngkin's people were really putting down CNBC last year as being wrong and their methodology was all screwed up.
0: One other one that Virginia ranks very highly in, in the CNBC uh, ratings, and that's uh, another category that's a little squishy sounding, but it's called business friendliness, uh, which is really looking at at a, at a legal and regulatory framework that doesn't quote overburden business. That's looking at, at like liability climates and regulatory regimes and overall bureaucracy. And and evidently we're we're pretty open to businesses just kind of doing what they want and not having to, to deal with much.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And I mean that's in a sense that's kind of a little bit you know counterintuitive because I mean if you have no regulations or very light regulations, then you know it, it does hurt the state. I mean look at what's going on, say in the environmental sector where you have you used to have citizen boards like the air pollution control board and the water board making decisions and they tended to usually go for what the industries wanted as far as uh, proving you know how much pollution they could put in the sky and the water and certainly coal people got away with mountaintop removal and all kinds of practices and the same goes for safety the same goes for um, having to really pay workers more in terms of benefits in terms of vacations in terms of say maternity and paternity leave and that's really kind of bad news i mean you know that's kind of a. That's what businesses tend to want,
0: though. Well, so Peter, overall, I'm I'm getting a picture of Virginia's business climate here over the course of our conversation. We we have a strong education system and higher education system, and all and have mm-hmm. for a long time. And mm-hmm. so we turn out a lot of highly educated workers. Uh, mm-hmm. In the cities, we have pretty strong infrastructure. But we also have a political culture of, of really letting businesses kind of do what they want and, and not have to pay much in tax or deal with much regulation. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's also harder for workers to organize and, and, and unionize and demand better wages and conditions. But workers with resources and education, particularly in, in tech fields, can ask for more on, on some kind of merit or, or patronage system that the businesses run. There's sort of a, a cultural shift to kind of good lifestyle things like, you know, sustainable energy and, and inclusivity uh, and access to health care. These are all you know, good things. Mm-hmm. But, but the fundamental power dynamic, uh, economic power in particular, is still very much in the business's favor rather than kind of that of, of working people.
1: I agree with that. It's just that I think that it's sort of, you know, it's being chipped away at, you know, as years go on and more. Virginia's businesses become more attached either nationally or globally. Uh, a lot of ideas are coming in. I mean, I don't know. I mean, for example, a lot of the rest of the world, I mean, Europe, it's, for example, they take four to six week vacations. And that's just not true here. And that's going to give way. I and mean, that's going to give way over time as are, you know, some of the other things are as as the world grows up. You know, it's just that a lot of some people in Virginia want to turn the, the clock back.
0: The other thing that's, that's looking at the CNBC study and in, in the, the survey they released here. You know, the, the it's it's the most institutional kind of like business media there is, except for maybe like Forbes or whatever, but they're in the same ballpark. And so they are deciding or they're they're kind of looking out at the business world and saying like these are the values and things that business wants now. Mm-hmm. And and Virginia seems to kind of line up with it you know we we're we're physically in a good position like where we are in the country and that helps of course Mm -hmm. um but you know we've got educated workers who don't demand too much or organize too much (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh and and businesses can kind of you know run run the show
1: right that's that's the way it seems to be and um You know, and I think that uh, in many ways, a lot of the the big, big areas like New York, say, and and parts of California may be losing their their shtick a little bit because there's just so many problems there. And not that they're not problems here, but I mean, in terms of crime, for example, crime is a problem in the inner cities. But generally speaking, it isn't. And um, and that's the kind of thing, too. And don't forget that one of the benefits to Virginia is that it has a beach nearby, it's got the bay nearby, it's got the mountains nearby. There's a lot to do, mm-hmm. and you don't have to drive for hours and hours to do it. And that's, that's an attractive um, thing. Plus, its location is good. I mean, it's right really close to the northeastern centers uh, of gravity and the Midwest and parts of the south. And, you know, so that, I think that's why it's a good place to be.
0: What about uh, all the workers in Virginia that, that don't have tech backgrounds? I mean, you know, so much of this conversation is about about, you know, landing new tech companies and, and all yeah. that. But we've got, you know, eight million people, a lot of whom don't have college degrees, a lot of whom don't have mm-hmm. the kind of yeah. bargaining power based on their own merit uh, and like like specialized skills. Um, what what for everybody else?
1: Well, that's a big problem because I mean, you split to the rural areas. They're they're really getting it on, on, on downward turns on several fronts. Number one, they they don't really attract that many high-paying industries. A lot of hospitals and clinics in their areas have been shut down. For the if they need medical care, they often have to drive for an hour or more. And schools may or may not be any good, and they may not have access to broadband. Although they're working on that, and that's really what what brings it down. Uh, when I talk to economic development people, the, the, the thing that they're, they're, trying, they're really trying to push are like, you know, uh, mega sites or super sites or whatever you want to call them, where you have manufacturing or data center ready, large plots of land of at least a thousand acres that are already, you know, have the, the water and sewers already in, the broadband's in, the electricity's in, and they even they say they need natural gas, Um And that's also an asset if you're near a gas pipeline, then they claim that you've got a better chance of landing a a good industry. But that seems to be what I hear from economic development people is that the the thing the state needs to really work on is developing more of these sites because there really aren't that many in the state. Mm -hmm. That's one reason, by the way, that that, um, uh, Lego went to Chesterfield County was because that's in a big park where everything is there.
0: Well, Peter, what's the future hold for uh, Virginia's economic development and, and the business climate?
1: If it stays kind of with its, you know, head above the clouds, I mean, it'll be fine. It's just that it can't be dragged down by, uh, you know, the you know, people who want to turn the clock back to what they imagined to be a better time when it really wasn't. And I mean, in my time in Virginia, I've noticed that states improved and I just hope it will continue to do so.
0: Peter Galaska is a journalist based in the Richmond area. Thanks to him for joining us for this week's show. My name's Nathan Moore, and I'm the host of Bold Dominion. Our editor this week was Ashley Park, and Sadie Randall and Omega Ilovich helped out with production. You can find us online at bolddominion.org. And don't forget to subscribe. It's just a click away.